I'm Sarah Glover, WHYY's VP of News and Civic Dialogue. In Young, Unhoused, and Unseen, we explore youth homelessness and Gen Z, its root causes, and solutions. We practice empathy and center community voices in our reporting with Temple University's Logan Center for Urban Investigative Reporting. Thank you for taking this journey with us as we examine the issues. Content warning. This episode contains descriptions of trauma and abuse. It's a warm fall day in Love Park, a concrete plaza in the middle of Center City in Philadelphia. Three young women in their early 20s sit. These friends have lived in hotels and in shelters. One fled domestic violence, one was evicted, and one was living on the streets after the death of her grandfather, the family provider. When Troy Mosin approaches them, they're eager for help and a path forward. Any questions? That's what I'm here for. I catch the people that everyone else missed. Troy's an outreach worker with Self Inc., an organization that provides emergency and permanent housing. Yes, I was running away from my abuser. Domestic violence, uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, things of that nature. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll stick you somewhere and hide you. Like, literally hide you. I wouldn't know where you're at. I'm serious. I wouldn't know. They just tell me that they have a match for you. They aren't asking for much. Um, I just, honestly, I want to live a mediocre life. You know, nice, simple house. You know, nice, simple job. You know, happy life, you know. Just a mediocre life. Like, I don't expect, well, I don't expect nothing too, too, you know, extravagant. I, I just personally want a mediocre life. A safe space for their babies to grow up. Somewhere, not even for me, but somewhere she could call home, where she could feel safe, like somewhere she could call. Okay, I'm going home, not, okay, I'm going back to the shelter. (laughs) I'm Yvonne Laddie, the director of Temple University Klein College's Logan Center for Urban Investigative Reporting. And I'm Kenny Cooper, a reporter at WHYY. This is Young, Unhoused, and Unseen a podcast that looks at who Philadelphians see and unsee every day. Homeless young people. In 2022, Philadelphia's Office of Homeless Services served 1,574 young people between the ages of 18 to 24. That's 9% of the city's homeless population. Most live in shelters, but experts say that number doesn't reflect how many young people truly have no home. They couch surf live in group homes, in cars, on SEPTA, and on our streets. Some are in college, many are LGBTQ, some are aging out of foster care or have recently been incarcerated, and most are African American or Latinx. And roughly one in three homeless young adults are pregnant or parenting. This is episode two, Young Moms. We'll see some of them. So, so where are we going? Right now we're going to 15th, the intersection of uh, 15th Street and Market Street, right across from City Hall. It's, it's a mixture. The age range is a mixture. That's Troy again. He's wearing an orange vest with the words Homeless Outreach Worker stamped on the back. He moves quickly and with purpose. 
he stops to talk to two young men by the SEPTA station that he sees daily. So, so who are they? Uh, a couple guys that be out here every day and uh, they'll, they say they're not homeless, but they're out here every day, all night. But they don't feel like talking today. So we head over to Love Park. I'm seeing more younger adults than uh, I'm accustomed to seeing. Love Park is a Philly landmark. It's home to the iconic Love Sculpture, which attracts tourists and couples eager to snap a photo underneath its letters. It's very Instagrammable. At the park, there's a striking view of the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. Ping pong tables, a fountain, tables to eat lunch on or snack on, and red steel chairs that are designed to keep the homeless from sleeping on them. Still, on this fall day, homeless people are scattered around this concrete park. Most are sitting on the red chairs. A few are slowly walking through the plaza. With his clipboard in hand, Troy doesn't waste a second. He makes a beeline towards three young women sitting by the garden, and they are eager for help. Okay, so the first, the first question you asked the young lady was? What questions do you have on the house? Well, on the housing list, the housing is, it's a housing assessment first, and what it does is it identifies your barriers and your challenges, your barriers and your challenges being if there are any drug challenges, or is there any domestic violence involved? So how long should it, like, do you think should it take to be placed? The quickest I've seen someone place, 10 days. Safia McKenzie sits and listens to Troy while her 11-month-old daughter sleeps next to her. She's 24, wears workout leggings and a snow-white-themed T-shirt. There is a weariness to her. She's been in and out of shelters since she was 18. But even before the shelters, it was hard. Her father died when she was young, and she didn't get along with her mom, so she moved out. I had got my own housing, and um, I had subleased from uh, this lady. One day she came home. There was no electricity and no water. They come to find out that I was on drugs, and I didn't know I was paying rent annually and stuff like that. All she was supposed to pay was electric. And the next day... All my stuff was going. I went down to the office to tell them, come to find out the sublease was illegal, and I ended up getting kicked out. As she speaks, she fidgets with a multicolor stress ball that she says helps with her ADHD. She's a single mom. Her daughter's father has no contact with his child. Safia says she spends her day with young moms like her. I'll get my friends and I tell them let's go to Love Park so, or we'll go to the um, Logan Square so the kids can get in the water so it could be like we're not just sitting around moping and pooping. And it's good because it'll make the shelters seem like, oh, we're not just sitting around waiting for them to do something for us. We, it, it, they don't care what we do as long as we're not just sitting on our ass all day. Safia says she wants her message to be one of hope. I have faith that things are going to get better because if you good, my grandma always told me if you do good things for people, good things happen to you. And I did a hell of a lot of good karma. No matter how tough it gets, she says there are people who have it worse. Like, it's people that in my shelter have been there for a year, five years, six years, and they just losing hope. Don't give up hope. Even though if the shelter is taking a little long, 
just look out outsources like different programs and stuff just don't give up lose hope and just say it's never going to happen because once you give up that means is the devil's going win okay so what, what I troy is working hard he answers questions shares resources and information pours out of him he makes the women laugh he tries to help even though at first glance one woman thought he was an undercover police officer. I thought you was going to bust us for smoking. Nah, not at all. Not at all. I'm trying to bust y'all up to the next level things. I want you guys off the street and I want you guys in a safe place for you and your family. That's what I want. These women say they want to pass out of the system. I want to go back to school, but it's just the student loans. This, this, is, a, this is a disenfranchised community. They're going to pay. There's no loans needed. They'll give you the grant needed to pay for school. All you have to do is meet the criteria. You already meet the criteria. Rachel, who does not want to share her last name, is listening hard. Her face is pensive. She is 21 and a mother. Her son is next to her, wearing a swimsuit, still damp from playing in the fountain. It started when my, my grandfather passed away, and I was living in his house. Me, my mom, and my sister were living in his house. And... Um, when he passed away, you know, nobody could take care of the bills or anything like that. So he passed away in September, and in November we had to leave the house. Rachel was 18 when she moved in with her fiancé, who was living at a friend's house. That's when her life totally unraveled. It wasn't his place. That's just It wasn't his place, but we thought it was. And um, from December, December to June of 2020, when COVID, you know, came about and then me and my fiance were on the street for from December to June just trying to figure out where we were going to sleep and all that life on the streets was hard for the couple basically we were just walking around all day in the in the middle of the winter trying to figure out you know where our next meal is going to come from where we're going to sleep uh, trying to keep our stuff safe, keep our stuff with us, keep, keep ourselves safe. It, it was horrible. And that was for six months. At the time, COVID-19 was raging. If they went to a shelter, they would have to separate. That's something they didn't want to do. So they wound up living in a government-funded hotel. Rachel then got pregnant, and the cycle of homelessness continued. We were living in the hotel for about five, six months. We ended up moving with a friend. Something went wrong and we ended up having to come back. Um, I ended up moving into a maternity home while my fiance was still on the street, but he was working and his job was cool to where the point they would let him work at any hours he wanted to. With the new income, Rachel desperately wanted a place to live. They eventually found a home. It was way out of our budget, but we needed it. And my mom was coming to live with us, too, and she was getting Social Security. So we were it, it was way out of our price range, but we made it work for a year that year. And then June 10th of 2022 is when we moved into the shelter that we're in now. She says she's trying to help herself because the system... Has not. You know, we alternate jobs. Like, he'll work for a while, and then he'll stop. I'll work for a while. And then we also don't want to put our son in daycare because of all the things that's going on 
with daycares now. So we're we're trying. And then um, I just started this new job, so. And Rachel wants people to know that she is not in the situation out of choice. Well, a lot of people think that, you know, we're lazy because of because of how we ended up. A lot of people think that we're lazy um, or that we just want the help from the government so bad, you know, and that's sometimes not not even the case. Like, for me right now, for me being in that shelter, since I've been there for over a year, it's just this is where I'm at right now till I find my own. But if something comes along, then I'll take it. But I'm really trying to find it on my own. Troy promises the women that he'll come back and help them fill out housing assessments. But he struggles with how young moms languish in shelters. A lot of people fall in between the cracks, and most of them are, are, are young women. And it's not a black or brown thing. It's young, disenfranchised women and their families. So what are we going to do about that? Supporting WHYY Penn Medicine, helping to find new cures for cancer. With life-saving clinical trials and advanced surgical techniques, Penn Medicine is offering more hope for patients everywhere. Learn more at PennMedicine.org slash cancer. Penn Medicine, what's next? Marisol Bello is the director of the Housing Narrative Lab. They use their platform to lift the voices of the homeless and those facing housing insecurity. She says these young women are experiencing what researchers call networked poverty. It is essentially generational poverty, but it is that everyone you know lives in poverty. Philadelphia has a poverty rate of 21.7% making it the poorest big city in America. Construction cranes dot the skies of Center City and its close neighborhoods. But go further north, and the poverty and despair can give birth to family dysfunction and housing insecurity. If your relatives or your, the people in your community that are your friends, that are the, your neighbors, everyone in your community is struggling, It becomes really hard then to find the network where you are going to be able to then pull yourself out because now you are in a place and in a community where everyone is struggling, right? And then you end up with people that are doubled up, tripled up. It's why in Philadelphia you had generations of a family, sisters and their children that died, sadly, in a fire. Already here in Philadelphia, 26 people were inside. There were uh, eight in the first apartment and 18 in the second apartment. Two apartments, 26 people in all. The smoke detectors in the housing authority-owned home were silent. It was because all of those families were living together in a very small house, in public housing, right? And that ends up happening a lot. That is one of the key things that we see with so many families is that doubling up and a lot of people in one space because folks are trying to make do as best they can. She says these young moms require different types of support because their needs are greater. And what I will say is that the federal government is a federal government, so they put people in different tracks and different tiers. The young moms who need such different kinds of support because they're, they're young. They need parenting classes and maybe support around being parents, right? Food and nutrition services. 
health care, not just for themselves, but for their children. They need housing, right? So like all of these basic needs get doubled and tripled depending on how many children they have. Marisol says the path for homeless mothers to just get their basic needs met is a maze. It's not that folks are out there not trying. Folks are trying, but but we've set it up where we've built these massive, gigantic walls that we're saying climb over them, but there's nothing for them to like, there's nobody helping them up over the wall. There's no chair, there's no stool, there's nothing. And the wall is sheer. So there's nothing for them to hang on to. She says their children become victims of this crisis, this insecurity and struggle, to the point that it becomes core to their very being. When you're little and when you're young, it's like that's when you need to know that you're safe, when you need to know that you live in a stable environment. And when you don't have that, that has a deep impact. And that's the other piece about the the generational impact as well is that then that keeps kind of rolling through. It becomes really hard. So the other thing is that it's not just the moms, it's also their kids. The impact on their kids is very, very far reaching. You also don't have a mom who's there with you 100% because even when she's standing right next to you, she's worried about where you're going to sleep. And so that is the other piece that becomes really critical for young moms with uh, children, is the children themselves. Liz Hirsch, the director of the city's Office of Homeless Services, or OHS, says the only real sustainable solution is money. Hirsch resigned from her position on October 13th 2023, but held this role when we spoke with her. Our minimum wage is still $7.25 here in Pennsylvania. You try li- try living on $15 an hour, let alone $7.25. People need family-sustaining wages with full benefits. Um, they need places to live that they can afford. The National Low-Income Housing Coalition reports that in 2023, a person making the minimum wage of $7.25 an hour would have to work 106 hours a week to afford a modest one-bedroom apartment in Pennsylvania. According to Rent Cafe, the average rent in Philadelphia for a 792-square-foot apartment, which could comfortably house a small family, is $1,925. Most young people would need family support to pay such steep rent, which many homeless young adults don't have. If you have a place to live and you have enough money to live on and you have family supports, you know, then you encounter a health problem, you know, even an addiction or a mental health problem, or you lose your job or your car gets crashed, you can absorb it, right? Because your family economy has some elasticity, right? We all hit bumps in the roads. But if you don't have any money, then you have, then everything becomes a huge crisis, Hirsch says OHS has programs that aim to help homeless youth. I think we have now about 30 programs that are tailored to their needs. Of the roughly $8.8 million of HUD money awarded to Philadelphia, OHS plans on diverting 20% of it to joint transitional and rapid rehousing. This means 104 housing units will be generated for 120 young homeless people. Hirsch believes This can put them on the road to permanent housing. 
when you're that young, your brain is still growing. Um, the young people are still, they're very resilient. They're very hopeful. Um, and so it's really trying to capitalize on those, on all of those positives, help them deal with their trauma while they're still developing so that those things, those hurts and pains and setbacks and challenges don't become solidified into them as adults, but that they're able to really rewrite their future history to have a different kind of life. For homeless young people, their youth is their strength. I feel like I'm very strong, you know, going through this whole thing with a kid that, you know, is basically growing up in the shelter. Um, I'm strong. Rachel is trying to find a little happiness each day for her son's sake. Where I find happiness is just taking my son out, letting him enjoy the water. Um, take, took him to the Franklin Institute a couple times, you know. That's where I find my happiness at the moment. And, you know, as long as, you know, you do what, do you do what makes you happy and makes your kid happy, you know, you can get through this. It's easy to get caught up in the fast pace of downtown and not even really see these young women as they sit and sit and sit. You guys don't think that this is a this this is a borderline epidemic what's going on with these young people? I mean these people are too young. You're 21, 22, 23, 24 years old and you out here and you live on the streets with a family. That's crazy. In the richest nation on this planet, that makes no sense whatsoever. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Don't get me started. I told you I don't have breaks. Young, Unhoused, and Unseen is a production of WHYY News and Temple University Klein College's Logan Center for Urban Investigative Reporting. I'm Yvonne Laddie, co-host, senior producer, and the director of Temple's Logan Center. And I'm Kenny Cooper, co-host, producer, and a reporter at WHYY. Our executive producer is Sarah Glover, WHYY's VP of News and Civic Dialogue. Our editors are Jordan Gaspare and Jimmy LeBay. Music by Drew Levine. Our engineers are Al Banks and Charlie Kyer. Colin Evans is our data editor. Our production assistants are Allison Beck and Natalie Wrights. Funding for this podcast has been provided by WHYY, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and Temple University's Klein College of Media and Communication. Additional production support was given by Jim McMillan. Special thanks to the Jonathan Logan Family Foundation, Self Inc., the Housing Narrative Lab, and Sophia McKenzie and Rachel, the young moms who shared their stories. Please rate and review wherever you are listening. And hit us up on social. We want to hear from you. Check out our stories on homelessness and the housing crisis in the Philadelphia region on whyy.org. Please join us in this conversation. Thanks for listening.